0: Listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Thank you, Van. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. If you have a Bible, let me invite you to go to John chapter 15 as we uh, continue a series that we've entitled "The Way." A series where we're learning together how to practice the ways of Jesus. We're learning what it means to uh, be His disciples and. Uh, I think we have a graphic if we saw if so i'm gonna ask ryan to put it on the screen for you but what we discovered last week is When it comes to being a disciple that we are called to reorient our lives around three Goals and ryan can we put that on the screen? I believe that we have it Um, the three goals of being a disciple if we don't have it just like shake your head. No and be like we don't have it There it is. Okay, fantastic. All right, um, you can leave it up there So here's what I want you to do I want you to say these with me, okay? All right? And so I need crowd participation here. Okay, goal number one of being a disciple is what? To be with the rabbi. Goal number two, to become like the rabbi. And goal number three... To do what the rabbi did. Now, so um, for us as Christians, right? What we talked about last week is Jesus, when he walked on the scene, he walked on the scene as a Jewish rabbi, as one who called disciples to follow him. And so as a disciple, right, you could say also it's to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. That's what it means to be a disciple. And this week we're going to specifically focus on goal number one, To be with Jesus. Uh, Let me just say real quick if you are a guest with us today, your first time with us, welcome. So glad you're here. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors at Fellowship. And on behalf of the members and the church, uh, we just want you to know there's no expectation here other than just come. And our hope is that you just hear from God today. And um, ultimately, we'd love to see you go from feeling like guests to feeling like family. And if you're interested in knowing how you can do that, I'm going to be at the welcome table after this is over. Um, Come meet with me. We've got a card. You can fill out some information about yourself And that's just a way of us to have a record of your visit and to learn how to serve you uh, To the best of our ability. So again, welcome. John 15 is where we are. We're going to read in verse 1 through verse 8 Jesus says I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit He takes away And branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Let's pray together one more time. I ask that you pray for me as I pray for you. Father, nobody got out of bed today just to hear some songs and, and somebody get up and just talk. Um, We need our lives transformed. We're here because we know we need something beyond ourselves. We know that life doesn't work best the way we think it does in our own intellect and our own power. We know we need something outside of ourselves to sustain us. Apart from you, we realize we really can do nothing. And so we ask that right now through your spirit that you really will speak to our hearts and that you will transform us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. How many of you in here take a nap on Sunday afternoons? Let me see a show of hands. Okay, quite a few of you Sunday nappers out there. Uh, my wife loves to take naps on Sunday afternoon. I do not. But a couple months ago, I guess I was especially tired. And so when all, my wife and the kids laid down, I decided to take a nap too. And so Megan went to our bedroom with our son, Wyatt. And I lay down and snuggled with my little daughter, Nora Kate, who just turned five on the couch. And um, we fell asleep. And Megan don't know how long she was asleep for, but she said all of a sudden she was awoken by someone tapping her on the arm. And she opened her eyes, and there, standing at the bed, not in bed with her, but standing at the bed was Wyatt. And she said, Wyatt, what are you doing? Why aren't you sleeping? And without skipping a beat, he looked at her, and he said, Mom, Dad just pooped in the front yard, and you need to tell him to stop doing that. And uh, she was she was, uh, obviously confused. Like, am I sleeping? You know, am I, am I, am I dreaming this? And so she looks right at him and she's like, "Why? what are you talking about? And about that time she says, he turns around and he walks away and his pants are down and there's poo down his leg. Okay. So apparently, all right, he had gone to the front yard and done his thing and decided he's going to pin it on me. And so, uh, so my wife, right, begins to address the situation. She comes into the living room and she says, uh, Jared, let me tell you what your son just did, right? So it's now my son, not her son. And she tells me the story. And of course, the whole time, I just had this image of my son squatting in our front yard while our neighbors drive by or barbecue outside or playing basketball with their friends, you know? And it's like, ah, it's just the pastor's kid. Just, to, you know, just another day in paradise here in Carriage Hills. And so, um, you know, and so I'm kind of starting to get a little bit angry. And I'm thinking to myself like, Man, what an idiot, you know? Like, I'm thinking, I know he's three and a half years old, but dang, I mean, like, who in the world thinks it's a good idea? First off, it took more work for him, by the way, to go outside and use the bathroom than go to the toilet. We have two in our house, right, that are functioning. And so he goes out, and I'm thinking to myself, who in the world does that? He goes outside, uses the bathroom in the front yard, and then has the mindset that not only am I going to probably get in trouble for this, but now I'm going to blame it and try to pin it on the very people who are going to discipline me for pooping in the front yard and then lying about pooping in the front yard. It's like, why would you do that? And as I'm like trying to process this in my mind, I I literally just want to just yell at my son, like, grow up. Like, like, what's wrong with you? Like, like, you, you... you know, like, but why don't you just, if you have to use the bathroom, go to the bathroom, right? Go to the toilet, use the bathroom, do your business, pull your pants up, definitely wash your hands and then get back to life. Like, how hard is that, right? Grow up, why aren't you maturing? Like, that's the question that's running through my mind. And as I begin to, to think about that whole situation this past week, I thought, I mean, I thought about that question that I asked him, why are you not growing up? I thought to myself, you know, It's probably likely that's the same question a lot of us are asking ourselves on a spiritual level a lot of us I think we look at our lives and we look at some of the messes that we still make When we look at our lives and we think, man, I I, I probably should be maturing beyond this point. I mean, this seems so easy. I mean, it's plain and simple in the text. I mean, God says, do this, right? He says, don't do that. I mean, why in the world am I not growing? Why am I not progressing? Why am I not maturing? And maybe even at this point in your life, you're starting to think, I don't know if I can grow. I don't know if I can mature. I don't know if I can ever progress beyond this certain center or beyond this certain spot in my life. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you this morning with God's word, because what we read in John 15 is that you can change, you can grow, you can move beyond where you are, begin to make progress and become more and more like the man, like the woman that God created you to be. In John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear what? Fruit. You will bear much fruit. What is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about growth. He's saying no matter who you are, where you come from, you really can grow. You can bear fruit. He says fruit in verse 8 that actually glorifies God and proves that you are Jesus' disciple. Now what is Jesus talking about here by fruit? Well, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, that the fruit of the Spirit is this, love. Joy. Think about this, these things being marked of your life, by the way. Peace. Anybody in here feel anxious? Your mind always running, you felt like there's turbulence just underneath your soul, right? Your chest feels tight sometimes. Peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, which is integrity, faithfulness, which is courage, to, to trust Jesus when, when nobody else's trust and gentleness and self-control. Jesus says this is the fruit that can mark the life of those who abide in the vine. Put another way, how do you grow? How do you change? How do you actually mature as a disciple of Jesus? How do you go from being selfish to unselfish? How do you go from being an angry person to a patient and kind person? How do you go from being a coward to being courageous? How do you go from being greedy to being generous? How do you go from being a warrior to being a rock? How do you change? How do you grow? What does Jesus say? The answer is by abiding in him. Jesus says in John 15, you want to bear fruit, you want to make progress, you first and foremost must learn to be with me. What I submit to you this morning is no matter who you are today Whether this is your first time in a church service or you've been in so many church services You're like man, I could preach better than that guy on the stage We all long for the life that's marked by the fruit of the spirit Love joy peace. I mean you may not one thing about like nope, not me. I actually love being anxious <laughs> Right. I love having just like this hair trigger temper where you could say anything. and I'm like what you know, like No We all want this life and if you don't believe me like before or after you take your nap this afternoon Go to barnes and noble and just look one of the largest sections in barnes noble is what it's the self-help section And I just love reading the titles I don't know if you do but some of like the best sellers right now are things like this Getting past your past taking control of your life with self-help techniques Here's another one breaking the habit of being you how to lose your mind and create a new one (laughs) This is this is this is a really clever title. I like this one a lot. It's not about how good you are It's how good you want to be. I love that. It just makes you feel good, right? Like you're a champion You're a winner. You can do whatever you aspire to be This is good news for you this morning The universe has your back how to transform fear into faith. Isn't it great news this morning, guys? You woke up in a bad mood. Hey, don't fret. The universe has your back. All right? So be encouraged. And then the last one, the last self-help book you'll ever need. <laughs> You know what all these have in common? They're all trying to help you basically experience the life that Jesus is talking about here. Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It's trying to help you experience that. But you know what all of these books are telling you? That the way you change is primarily up to you. The way that you change is by trying harder to be better. It's by willing something within yourself. And I know that sounds good. It sounds very American, very noble. But what Jesus says is, look, no, you want to change. You want to grow. You want to mature. You don't look primarily to yourself. He says, you look to me. You learn to abide in me, then you will grow, then you will have progress, then you will mature into the man or woman that I have created you to be. Now, the question we should be asking this morning is, how do we abide in the vine? Right? It's pretty plain and simple. Jesus says, you abide in the vine, you're going to grow. So the question we should be asking, if you, indeed, if you indeed want to grow, is how do we abide in the vine? How do we learn to be with Jesus? I mean, because after all, he isn't physically here, right? Or we can touch him physically. So how do we abide in christ and fortunately jesus answers that question for us in the previous chapter if you look in john 14 if you have a bible you can flip there if not i'll put it on the screen for you here's what jesus says john chapter 14 verse 16 and following and i will ask the father and he will give you another helper speaking of the holy spirit He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now look at this. This is very interesting. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Here's why that's interesting. Earlier in the chapter, Jesus just said, I'm going to leave you. He said, as a matter of fact, it's just a matter of days before I am betrayed by Judas, I am crucified for your sins. I go to a grave, and three days later, I will raise again, conquering sin, death, and hell. And I will then, after 40 days of sin, to be back with my Father in heaven. Physically, I'm going to leave you, but he says in verse 18, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be in heaven, but he says, I'm going to be with you. How? Through, he says, the Holy Spirit. Here's what that means. If you want to bear fruit... If you want to grow, if you want to have progress as a disciple of Jesus, you must first and foremost learn how to be with Jesus. And how do you, in 2017, be with Jesus? It's by learning to live connected to and with awareness of his own Holy Spirit. That's the secret. That is the secret to experiencing the life that all of us are longing for. It's learning how, guys, in the busyness of life, to root yourself in the presence of God. It's learning how to be in two places at once. It's learning how to be in the gym and to be aware that you're in the presence of God. It's learning how to be changing diapers and in the presence of God. It's learning how to be at school or at work and in the presence of God. This is what Jesus is referring to when he says, abiding in the vine. It's what Paul says in the epistles, what he refers to as praying without ceasing. It's what the 15th century brother Lawrence called practicing the presence of God. It's this idea that you can learn right now, no matter what you're doing in the mundane stuff of life or the chaotic stuff of life, you can learn how to be in the presence of God. But notice brother Lawrence calls it practicing the presence of God. Why does he call it that? Because listen, this all takes practice. Think about even right now, In a church service, how many of you are aware that you're in the presence of God? You see how difficult that is? You know you're in the presence of the person next to you, don't you? Because you can see them. You know you're in the presence of me because I'm talking to you. How many of you are aware right now you are in the presence of the God of the universe? This takes practice. That's why Dallas Willard says this. I'll put it on the screen for you. The first and most basic thing we can and must do, talking about as disciples, is keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls Our part and thus practicing the presence of god he's taking uh, brother lawrence's term there Is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him in the early time of practicing We may well be challenged by burdensome habits of dwelling on things lesser than god I love how gentle he is there He's saying whenever at first you try to really practice the presence of god You may find that your minds run into all sorts of things other than god things that are lesser than him He says you may find that that happens but, I love this, these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon, our minds will return to God as a needle of accomplice compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. Well said, Dallas Willard. You understand what he's saying here? He's saying you can learn to abide in the vine no matter who you are, no matter how busy your life is, no matter how important you are, you can learn to be with Jesus. Does it take some work? Yes. Does it take some practice? Yes, but you can do it. You can do it. And again, this isn't going to always be easy. And some of you know this, right? It's easy right now for me to talk about abiding in the vine on Sunday. It's much more difficult for you to do it on Monday, right? While you're at work with people who are complaining about how much they hate their jobs. While you stay at home, moms are there like chasing down crazy kids who are pooping in the front yard or whatever else they're doing. right? Like It's much more difficult then. Guys, this is not going to necessarily come natural to us. But listen, if you really want to grow, if you really want to become the man or woman God has created you to be, if you want to experience the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness... And goodness and gentleness and self-care, if you want to experience those things, we must learn to be with Jesus by staying connected to and in awareness of his Holy Spirit. Now, the question then on a practical level is how do we stay connected to the Holy Spirit? How do we learn to, to live with an awareness of him in our lives and what he's up to and what he's doing? And I would say that on a practical level, the way that we do this is through what disciples for thousands of years have called the spiritual disciplines. And spiritual disciplines basically are this. Spiritual disciplines are, are things that we see Jesus modeling for us in Scripture and things that he's called us to. They're called spiritual because they're things the Spirit uses to set our minds on God. And they're called disciplines because they're not easy. They take effort. And I'm going to put them on the screen for you. I have a list of spiritual disciplines here. And let's leave these on the screen for a little bit, Ryan. Um, This is a list. This is not all of the spiritual disciplines. I just think it's some of the most popular and some of the most fruitful disciplines that have been proven throughout time. We see them all over in scripture and proven throughout time to to set our minds on God. And they are as follows. Silence and solitude. Silence is, is, is separating yourself from noise, which is very difficult. Solitude is separating yourself from people. We're going to talk about that in a second. How do you do that on a daily basis? Um, I think we should do it on a daily basis. Fasting, that is abstaining from food or drink. Some of these you you won't do daily, by the way. Fasting won't necessarily be one of these, right? But it's abstaining from food or drink so that you're feasting on God's word. Um, uh, Sabbathing is another one on there. That's the idea of resting, right? We all work at least five days a week, some of us six days a week, right? Sabbath is the idea of I'm going to rest from my work for a full 24-hour period and just trust that God can run the universe without me and I'm just gonna enjoy him, Reading scripture, right? We're, we're making a big push for this this year of reading through the Bible in a whole year. Praying. Think of reading scripture as God speaking to you, praying as you speaking back to God. Simplicity this is the idea of choosing not to clutter your life with stuff you don't always need right, of choosing to live below your means, worship and celebration, and I don't just mean like on Sunday mornings, but learning how to do that throughout our week, serving, giving of yourself to others, fellowship, that's communion with other disciples of Jesus, encouraging each other, speaking the gospel, and then, of course, confession, confessing our sin first and foremost to God, and then also to others. These are spiritual disciplines, again, that Jesus calls us us to engage in today for the purpose of being aware of his spirit. Now, these disciplines I know get a bad rap, especially my generation. Because we look at that and we're like, discipline? <laughs> Who needs discipline, right? Like That sounds awful. Spiritual disciplines? We don't like the idea all the time of uh, so thinking of these, but I want you to consider for a moment. We all put disciplines in our lives where we feel like we most need it and we most want it. For example, if you're in here and you want to be a healthy person, you discipline yourself with what you eat. Do you not? There's some things that you want to eat, but you know you don't need to, so you don't eat them. There's other things you want to, uh, that you don't want to eat or take in, but you know that you need to. So you discipline yourself in your diet or your workout regimen. For those of you that set an alarm at night, right? Because you got to wake up early. That is a discipline. It's the idea of I am going to make sure and I'm going to structure my life in a way to where I can wake up on time and actually go to work and not get fired and make some money and provide for my family. And what I want you to see in all of these disciplines, listen guys, they're not an end to themselves. They're a means to an end. Does that make sense? You don't just like eat healthy just for the sake of eating healthy. Why do you eat healthy? Because you want to be healthy. Why do you set your alarm? Not just for the sake of setting your alarm. You set it because you don't want to get fired, right? Like that's why it is a means to an end. Listen, it is the same way with spiritual disciplines. These are not an end to themselves. They are a means to an end. And what is the end? It's to be with Jesus. It's to be connected to the vine. Now listen very carefully, please. If you're counting the bulbs in the ceiling, focus on me one, just one moment. I want you to hear this. I am not saying that these spiritual disciplines are here to help you earn Jesus' love. I am saying they're here so that you can enjoy Jesus' love. There's a difference. I'm not saying these disciplines are here as this like payment to buy life from God. But they are pipelines you put down to experience day-to-day life with God. Does that make sense? You have to get that today, guys, I'm telling you, because when we call you to read the Bible and you're like, okay, I'm going to read the Bible because that's just the right thing to do, or I'm going to pray because I should just pray, or I'm going to fast because the Bible just says I should fast. The end, you're going to get bored or burnt out in no time. They are a means to an end, and that end is to be with Jesus. And as a result of that, we begin to experience the fruit that he is speaking of here. Now, the problem is, if we can be honest, most of us are so busy, we're not doing any of that stuff that was on the screen. At best, we throw a couple of those in when it's convenient and when we feel like it. Some of us in here, we're not resting well. We're not confessing sin. We're buying more than we need. We're cramming so much stuff into our week that literally we can just barely keep our heads above water. And when we choose to cut something out of our lives, we cut the disciplines out rather than anything else. Some of us in here we don't have any healthy relationships with other disciples of Jesus, and I think we're all trying to figure out: Can I truly be a disciple of Jesus and still have a smartphone? <laughs> Seriously, right? Which, by the way, I have an iPhone. But I don't know if you saw the research that came out last July. Um, there was a research firm that tested uh, tested over a hundred thousand people to see how many times we touch our phones a day. Anyone want to guess how many times we touch our phones a day? Smartphones, on average. 2,617 times a day for a total of almost two and a half hours. And we wonder, why am I so stressed? Why am I so overwhelmed? Why don't I ever hear from God? Why am I still struggling with the same things over and over again? God is plain and simple because we spend more time with our phones than we do with Jesus. Because we're more concerned about being connected to people through social media than we are being connected to Christ through the spiritual disciplines. As a result of this, some of you come in today, you feel spiritually anemic. You feel God is a million miles away, though He is actually right here. Our growth is stunted, and we're really starting to wonder can I really change? Can I really grow? Francis Chan, in his book, The Forgotten God, says this, If your life is like mine, it's too loud. Multitasking has become the norm. When was the last time you have had uninterrupted conversation with anyone? In my quest to accomplish much, I've lost the art of focusing on one person or one thing. This, in turn, has affected my relationship with Jesus. I'm sure it's affected yours. I find it harder to be simply with Jesus, to focus only on him while spending intentional time with him, Our lack of intimacy is often due to refusal to simply unplug and shut off communications from all others so that we can be with Jesus. You're here this morning, and that shows me that I think for the the most part, you want to be with Jesus. I think, I don't know of anybody in here, there might be some of you, that if I asked you, do you want to be with Jesus, that would say, nope, right? Like, that's why you're here. The problem is, guys, I don't I think that we want to be with Jesus. I'm not sure we really want to reorient our lives around Jesus. Um, A couple weeks ago, I went to a doctor, a holistic doctor, who... um, Dr. Spano, some people in our church have seen her and, and told me some good things about her. It takes eight months to get in to see this woman. She's a holistic doctor. And so basically what you do is you go in and she tests all these different things. And then um, rather than giving you a pill, she says, hey, here's a diet that you need to go on. Here's some supplements you need in order to really kind of make sure your life is, is really functioning the way God intends for it to function. And so um, basically what happened is I went into this deal after eight months, I'm super excited. And I sit across the table from her and literally she called me a sugar addict, Okay. I'm like, I am not an addict. And she was like, yes, you are. I was like, I can quit anytime. I promise you. I do not have to have sugar. And she's like, you got a problem. And, and I was like, whatever. And so finally, like I agreed with her. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try to cut sugar out of my life. Well, on Friday, I'm at Something Sweet with Adam. And I go and get me a bottle of water and a cupcake. Okay. And I go to, to sit back down. And Adam's like, man, I thought you aren't supposed to be eating sugar. And I was like, well, I'm not. And he was like, well, so why are you eating sugar? And I was like. Thought about it, and I was like, Thank you, brother. yeah, yeah, no, it's not what I said. And so <laughs> I, uh, I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking to myself, uh, wait a minute. I really, in that moment, was about to eat a cupcake and still not feel any guilt or shame or remorse over it because in my mind I was thinking at least I know the right thing to do. Like, at least I know I'm a sugar addict, which that's the first step, right, is admitting you have a problem. <laughs> and so I'm like, so that counts for something, I've got the right information. I at least want to, in my head, like stay away from sugar. So it's okay, therefore, to eat sugar as long as I have all the right information. You see how stupid that is? And yet, is it not the same thing that many of us are doing, spiritually speaking, on a daily basis? Guys, listen, we aren't going to grow just because we know the right thing to do. You grow by applying the right information to your life. We have to get this today. Jesus has said, if you want to grow, you must abide in my spirit. And how do you abide in the spirit? It's by engaging in spiritual disciplines, by rearranging our lives around being with Jesus. And again, this takes work. It takes effort. Dallas Willard, again, who's just a lot smarter than me, I'll quote him. He says this. It's a super sobering quote. The general human failing is to want what is right and important, but at the same time not to commit to the kind of life that will produce the action we know to be right and the condition we want to enjoy. This is the feature of human character that explains why the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We intend what is right, but we avoid the life that would make it a reality. Translation, your life is the byproduct of your lifestyle. Uh, another way of saying it is like this Your life is designed to give you the results you're currently getting. If you're not growing, if you're not producing God honoring fruit, your fruit, listen, whether it's good fruit or bad fruit, it's produced because of the system you have built. Nobody's amen in that. That's right, man. That's, that's something I'm sure some of you are like, why did you have to say that, right? Because what I just said, what does it do? It puts responsibility on us. It puts your growth, not on me as your pastor, it puts your growth on you. And some of us don't like that because it's way easier. We live in such a victim mentality society. It's way easier to blame somebody else for why I am the way that I am. Some of you, you don't like this because you're thinking, man, Jared, I think you're getting really close to, to bordering on legalism. I mean, I thought we were a grace culture, man. I mean, what's all this work, work, work stuff? I mean, what about Philippians 2.13 that says it's God who works in us? Yeah, I love that verse. But what's the verse say right before that? Work out your salvation. So which one is it? Is it God working in us or is it our works, his work, our works? Which is it? Well, the answer is yes. It's his work and it's your work. Guys, this whole let go and let God theology is not found in the Bible. There's no such thing as, okay, I pray this prayer and now I'm just going to let go and I'm going to put my hands on my back and God, if you want to grow me, you'll grow me. No. The truth is, if you want to be with Jesus and therefore become like Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If you're going to be with Jesus, doesn't that mean you have to follow Jesus? And guys, I'm just Jesus' life doesn't look a lot like our lives at times. So that means we're going to have to change some stuff. We're going to have to be willing to go into some places that make us uncomfortable. We're going to have to be willing to, to make some sacrifices. We're going to have to be willing to, to lay aside some instant gratification. And I know for some of you, again, you're like, "Woo, this is kind of sounding heavy. But I'm just going to ask you today, like, how bad do you want this? Like, we all say we want Jesus, but how bad do you want to be with Jesus? How bad do you want to live with an awareness of His presence in your life through the Holy Spirit? Enough to to kind of reorient your life around things that, that, that set your mind on Him? Or would you rather just like, no, I want to live the way I've been living and hope that Jesus will just kind of get my attention whenever He needs me? I was reading, and I guess you were too if you're in the Bible project in Exodus 33 yesterday, I love the, the story of moses right god comes to moses and he says hey, you know what you and israel just go on Just go on to the promised land. You haven't been obedient to me. You're not listening. Just go on I'll, I'll i'll still give you the promised land where everything you know The land's flowing with milk and honey. You have all this great stuff. Go on my angels will lead you but i'm not going And what does moses say this is awesome. Thank you, god That's very kind of you, you know what to say if you're not going to be there i'm not going anywhere I just wrote in my Bible right there, do I love God's gifts more than I love God? Because what Moses just said, I don't care what all you're gonna give me. If you're not there, I am not going. I wanna be right where you are and I'll do whatever it takes to be there. Is that the resolve that we have today? I wanna be with you so bad, literally, God, I would give up anything you told me to give up for the sake of being with you. The truth is, guys, listen, you will not, listen carefully, please, you will not cultivate a healthy, life-giving, joy-filled relationship with Jesus in a haphazard fashion. It will not happen. If you are going to be a disciple of Jesus, you must learn to reorient all of life around Jesus. And so as we come to kind of a closing, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. On a practical level this week, I want to encourage you to really contemplate your life. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you really want to be his follower, I want you to do an evaluation of your life and ask yourself, what really matters in the end? What's most important? Begin to ask yourself this thing. And if Jesus is most important, here's what I want you to ask yourself. If being with him is most important, ask yourself, what am I currently doing in my life that robs me of my affections towards Jesus? And what am I doing that stirs my heart towards Jesus? Stop asking the question, is this right or is this wrong? Ask like, what am I doing? Does it help me live with more awareness of the goodness of God or is it actually distracting me from that? And if it's distracting you from that, if it's not, like, helping you be more aware of Jesus and you know it's not that important in the end, I want to encourage you, like, cut it out of your life. And then begin to add, as we had those practices on the screen, begin to add these practices one by one into your life, into your schedule. So when I say cut stuff out of your life, it's practically, for some of you, This may mean Netflix. This may mean that you need to stop watching so many shows at night that's keeping you up late to where you don't even feel like getting up early the next morning to spend time with Jesus. For some of you, this may mean cable, right? For me, and and listen, by the way, if everyone's like elbowing spouse, everything I'm telling you I have to go to my life is probably a lot of it because of my spiritual immaturity. So I'm not just telling you like you should do this. I just couldn't do some of this stuff. For some of you, it's cable. I could not watch... I had to finally just set aside the St. Louis Cardinals last year and get rid of my cable because they were awful and it was doing something to me spiritually. I'm serious. Like, I'm that spiritually immature. I could not watch a game without being affected negatively when I watched the game. Some of you can watch it and still enjoy it. But for me, I knew I couldn't, so I had to set that aside. Right? And I actually found a lot more time on my hands to do things that stirred my heart towards Christ. I don't know what this may mean for some of you. For some of you, it may mean deleting Facebook. It may mean getting rid of your smartphone. I don't know. I haven't got rid of mine yet, but I've considered. Maybe some of you are like, I do need to get rid of my iPhone. Maybe for some of you, you just need to learn to say no to your family or some of your friends at times. Sometimes no can be one of the most sacred things you can do is just saying that I can't. Jesus said no to people all the time. I don't know what it may mean for you, but here's the thing. There are things I want to encourage you this week to start cutting it out of your life, and then here's what I want you to do. How many of you have 10 minutes that you can find in your day? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you, some of you didn't raise your hand. Guys, We spend two and a half hours on our phone a day, all right? I believe in you. Uh, we can find 10 minutes somewhere. What I want to encourage you to do is to start adding one of these practices into your life. And I would encourage you today, this is kind of like your homework assignment, whatever. I would encourage you to add silence and solitude into your life. I would encourage you, 10 minutes a day, to just get alone with God. Turn your iPhone over, put it on silent. The world will be fine without it, I promise, like, and just be with God now for me here 's what this looks like i 'm a morning person, some of you are not morning people, my night my, my, my night. My wife is a night person i 'm a morning person, so what it means for me is I try to get in bed by 10 fifteen at the latest, and I try to wake up by five fifteen ish five thirty okay i don 't have to be in the office until eight, and so that gives me plenty of time for me. All right. And so what I do is I try to get up early. I make me some coffee. um, And then before I eat or anything, I just go to the living room. I sit in the floor on our rug. And here's what I do. As weird as this is going to sound to some of you, I'm just trying to be practical. I just begin to breathe and be aware of my breathing. And the reason I do that is because I'm reminded that it's God's breath that is in me that even sustains me. Okay. And so I'm just trying to be aware of God's presence. I'm praying, God, like I'm here, you're here. and, And my mind does run at times. And I just take those thoughts back to God. Usually, by the way, what your mind runs to is what's most important to you. So I just start taking those things back to God. And then after just being aware of his presence, what I do is, is I just begin to get into the word. And I begin to pray. And listen, guys, a lot of times I don't have like this burning bush experience. Maybe you do Adam or Luke. Or I don't have this huge like mountaintop story to tell you. But I do begin to experience peace. I begin to experience joy. More love. Imagine that. Basically the fruit of the spirit as I'm living aware of God's spirit. The reason I say I would start with silence and solitude is, listen, we live in a very busy and noisy culture that is, I believe, doing violence to our souls right now. Some of you, like, guys, like, when it comes to your quiet times, I mean, you think, okay, like I got five minutes a day, and so you're playing Bible roulette, you know, or you pull up an app on your phone, and, and, and you read real quick, and then you're like, okay, I've got, like, five seconds, one Mississippi, two, God, what do you have for me? Three Mississippi, four minutes, five, okay, nothing, we'll see you tomorrow, Right? And if that's you, like, I'm not trying to come down hard on you. I'm not trying to beat you up. But listen, there's a better life waiting for you. There's just a better life waiting. Some of you guys, listen, we're about done, I promise. This is real life stuff. Some of you, you struggle so bad still with criticism. Like you live and die by what other people say about you. Some of you are still anxious. You're incredibly depressed. I mean, you're struggling with feelings of hopelessness and bitterness. And, 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 and maybe not for all of you, but I think for a big chunk of us, a big reason for that is we are not abiding in the vine. We're not learning to be with Jesus through his spirit. And if that's where you are, listen, no shame, no guilt, because you know what Jesus is doing right now? He's not looking at you going, Kick,ick,ick. you know what he's doing? He's saying, come on, come be with me come on. The invitation is today to anyone to be his disciple. And to be his disciple, to follow him, to be after him, it's just to surrender your life over to him. As we spend today, it's saying, here's my life, Lord. Here's my time. Here's my talents. Here's my treasures. I trust that you know better how to run my life than I do. Yes, this means you're going to have to give stuff. You, listen, you will have to give up things you don't want to give up. But as Jim Elliott says, you're going to give up things that in the end you can't keep. And you're going to gain something you cannot lose. Because you're going to gain intimacy with Jesus Christ, the one who says in me is rest and abundant life and the forgiveness and the freedom that you're longing for. Amen.